The following program and views expressed are those of the hosts and guests and do not reflect the opinions of WPTF or Curtis Media Group. Welcome to Heart Health Radio with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefall. Heart Health Radio, Heart Health Radio, oh, 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 hearthealthradio.com, Heart Health Radio. Heart Health Radio is meant for information purposes only. Before taking any action, talk to your doctor. This is Heart Health Radio and the Heart Health Radio Network. A lot of things to talk about, but we really want your phone calls. 919-860-9783. 919-860-9783. There's a story that says starch in green bananas is really, really good for you. Really good for you? Really good for you. Um, also, napping leads to dementia. Both those stories are false. They're just junk. Totally false. Totally false. Why are we playing the George Jetsons theme? Why are we playing the George Jetsons theme? It's his birthday today. It's not. Yeah. According to the show, he was born on this day, which makes, you know, all this stuff happening on the Jetsons 2062, because he was 40. He had a, you know, he had a daughter who was 18. He had a little kid. Yeah. He had the talking, um, whatchamacallit, uh, robot who cleaned up his house. Oh, okay. Remember, and they they lived in floating houses, Mm -hmm. and they had floating cars. Yes. And they made that really cool noise when they took off. But everybody now is celebrating that there's stuff that George Jetson predicted that in the 60s when the show came out <laughs> right. was completely, you know, thought to be, you know, impossible. So yeah. we're going to talk about the medical ones that George Jetson had. And, you know, we have them now. We don't have to wait till 2062. In, in other words, of all the futurists we've listened to. Right. For years and years, predict the future. The ones who were very accurate were Hannah and Barbara. Right. Very, okay. very accurate. Very okay, accurate. so number one. What do we have? Um, remote, remote telehealth. I don't know, you know, remember, I remember the episode where he was sick. Yeah. And he called up his doctor on the TV screen. <laughs> and yeah. they had flat, flat TV screen. screens. Yes, they did. So back in the 60s, it was called a cathode ray tube. So if you remember your TV. Yes. Up until really the 90s. Yeah. It had a big, huge back. It and did. that's because it was an electron gun. Mm-hmm. And so the electrons would be um, uh, adjusted um, mm-hmm. by a magnetic field. Now, these screens are flat and they have little pixels that are individually manipulated. Okay. So it was kind of funny because the doctor basically told George, there's nothing wrong with you. Take two aspirin, <laughs> call me in the morning. But anyway, so they had that. Now, the interesting thing that I think they had that is really underutilized today, we've had it for years, is the pill cam. Now, when George was sick, he actually Mm -hmm. went to the doctor, and he was having a tummy ache. And they said, just swallow this pill, and I'll be able to tell what's wrong with your tummy. And the reason why is it had a video camera in it. Now, we had this. Now, suppose you have bleeding in your gut. And yeah. you want to find out where it's from. Everybody knows about the endoscopy, where they put the tube in your throat while you're sleeping. Yes. And they can look at a video image of your entire stomach 
and probably a third of the small bowel because you can you can snake that thing through the the uh, pylorus, which is the separation between the stomach and the small bowel. Yes, and you can see if you have an ulcer, or if you have gastritis, or in one of the worst cases, you know people with cirrhosis of the liver, their their blood vessels get engorged and they can burst. Those are um, really that's really bad. They're called yeah. esophageal varices. Now, suppose that you're bleeding from the lower gut. That's called the colon. And they can, while you're asleep, put it another, you know, optical tube right. all the way up in your colon uh, as long as you're washed out. And they can go all the way into the terminal ileum, which is where the small bowel connects to the colon. Yeah. The stomach serves as a place with high acidity to break down the protein and break down everything through acid digestion into individual or very small particles. That goes into the small bowel where the nutrition is taken up. Right. And then the colon, you know the colon's for it, don't you? It's just to adjust the amount of water that's in the stool. Yeah. So if you're constipated, it means that you don't have enough water in your system and the stool is absorbing it all, and you have really, really hard rocks in there. We have a pill cam. Yeah. So the pill cam is for the small bowel. And what right. does that mean? There's 23 feet of small bowel. Wow. You can't find a scope that can snake it all the way through there, although they've tried. And some people claim to be successful. Yeah. So what you do once you've had the endoscopy and the colonoscopy is you swallow the pill cam. And it takes thousands of individual video pictures as it goes through your small bowel. Yes. And the, the reason why this is important is because a lot of times you're bleeding and you don't know where it is yeah. coming from yeah. in the gut because the endoscopy is fine and the colonoscopy is fine. And 23 feet of small bowel, there's something called AV malformations of the small bowel. And that is where the arteries and the veins hook immediately together. And what happens is you get a bulging of this and it can easily bleed. Yes. And so you have to find out where it is. And once you find out where it is, if it's bad enough, they can identify how many feet down it is and then go into surgery and take it out if necessary. Yes. So we've had the pill cam. We've had the pill cam for a while. Wow. Um, you know, it's a great, great technique. Now, the other thing, and let's just go into regular technology that yeah. they've had, yeah. is the robotic vacuums. Now, you remember the robot mm, go around? Yeah. We have had those for I, ages. I got a little disc. Right. A little disc yeah. with a motor on it, and it yeah. doesn't hold a and lot. And it's computerized. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, flying cars. Now, we have them, yeah. uh, but they're powered by fans or propellers. Not by some mysterious anti-gravity force, right. but we still have flying cars. Yeah, Drones. Now, I don't know if you remember, but, but um, they would have these drones that would fly around and help <laughs> him navigate yeah. and also spy on his neighbors. Yeah, good. Okay. The jetpacks. We, we have jetpacks. We had them in the 80s. Yeah. Yeah. And holograms. Now, remember, sometimes you'd want to, on the Jetsons, talk to the figure of the person in real life. We have holograms. In fact, there are concerts now where the singers right. are remote. Right. And you see their hologram. Or, you know, they, they had a duet with Michael Jackson, and they had Michael Jackson as a hologram. Hmm. Flat screen TVs, we've talked about that. And then, obviously, video calls. We have them. I can do a video call 
on my smartwatch, right. which is really amazing. But if you go back to the Jetson and what they predicted, it's, it's actually not that spectacular when you talk about healthcare. But I'm going to make a prediction about 2062. Okay. That I think, now I won't be alive then. I would be 103 years old. So maybe even 2040, 2030, this is going to happen. And gene sequencing technology is so advanced, even now, that you can sequence somebody's entire genome for about $10. I don't know if you remember 10, 15 years ago when the genome project came out under Bill Clinton. Yes. They spent $20 billion. Yes. Because I did DNA sequencing back in the 80s and 90s, and it was pretty tough. Um, you had to have these big gels, and you had to have the, all these chemical reactions, and then you had to read like a barcode of the yes. different sequences. Now it's all done in a machine. So my prediction is you're born, and your entire gene, genome is sequenced, and it's stored in a little you know computer thing, probably on the web. Yes. And then by then, we'll know so many genes that are associated with illnesses. They already have that for me. Mm-hmm. So I did 23andMe, which the Congress is recommending, some congressmen recommend you not do it anymore no. because the Chinese are getting hold of our data. Oh, well. And yeah. they're afraid that they will create individual bioweapons. So if they wanted to get rid of me, they would know, based on my DNA, how to get rid of me. Well, considering your attitude about the Chinese Communist Party, right. you're on the list. I'm on their list, yeah. so I'm I'm worried about that. But they already... You know, they already send me um, uh, notices that about my health. Right. You know, and the cool thing is how much Neanderthal DNA I have. You have a lot. I have eight percent, which is more than usual. Yeah. But I, I got a guy who worked for me. He looked like a Neanderthal. Yeah. I mean, he had eyebrows. You know, big bulging eyebrows. Sure. Anyway. I think that when you're born, <laughs> maybe 2040, they'll uh-huh. be able to say, hey. You have the, for example, BRAC1 gene. Now, they already know that. They yep. already know that gene. That puts you at a very high risk if you're female, of, or if you're a woman, and I think a woman is two X chromosomes, et cetera. Okay. Then you know <laughs> that you're an extremely high risk for breast cancer, and a lot of these women, Angelina Jolie, for yeah. example, yeah. had bilateral mastectomies before she developed breast cancer, yeah. had her kids, and then her ovaries right. taken out. Right. So. I think that's going to happen for all of us, and we may not be able to prevent all sorts of different things, but we can be on the lookout, you know. So, for example, if you have the lung cancer gene, remember, only 15% of smokers get lung cancer. The vast majority don't. So, if you had the knowledge, hey, listen, this baby has the lung cancer gene, cannot smoke. Yes. Just cannot. Of course, by then, smoking will be illegal. Um, and, and, you know, this, the COPD gene yes. where you develop lung disease from smoking yeah. because you don't repair the damage from the cigarette smoke quite well. So I'm going to go beyond what the Jetsons predicted because we already have it. Yeah. I think the biggest step will be individual health care based on your genetic composition. And I think that's going to be the big thing. So you heard it here first. Okay. We're already doing it. Now, also genetic basis, on a genetic basis, we're going to cure cancers. We're already doing that, called CART therapy, C-A-R-T. And what that is is they take out your immune cells and they program them against your particular cancer. Yes. And a guy was cured 
I can't remember his name because I'm terrible with names, but a guy was just cured. And they took out his cell. He'd had B-cell lymphoma, mm-hmm. and he had he had chemo. It went away. He had more chemo. It went away. But it keep coming. It keep coming. But kept coming back. Yeah. So they did this CART therapy, and he's now two years cured. Mm. So I think we're heading into a frontier of cures that are going to be spectacular. I think heart disease is coming as well, okay. because this clearly a genetic basis. If you look at family history, mm-hmm. well, I mean they already have about three hundred genes that have been discovered from different individuals who had at high risks for coronary disease. And believe me, they're not all the same. Some of them are cholesterol, but a lot of them are clotting. Mm-hmm. And, and we all know that heart attacks are caused by clotting of the cholesterol plaque. So I think all this will come to the forefront and we'll be aware as newborns, or maybe it might take a couple days to sequence your genome, yeah. but we'll know. And uh, there's a double-edged sword. Because insurance companies will also yes, they possibly will. have access to this data. Trying to save And, money. you know, suppose you're 26 years old and you want to get life insurance and you're yep. BRAC positive for the gene. Yep. If the insurance companies got a hold of that, they would not they would not give you health insurance, right? I mean, why would you Maybe. do that? Maybe. Yeah. So Maybe. I think there's got to be a law where health insurance uh, and, and life insurance. Yes cannot be predicated on these certain genes but who knows okay we're gonna we're gonna talk about other things we'll take your phone calls 919-860-9783 starch in green bananas uh somebody's telling me it's a superfood uh i don't think so that's I coming like up also i'm gonna tell you about a prediction from the 1960s in pop culture in medicine that never came true, and it's probably not going to come true. Well, you know something I don't that, know. That is next. This is Heart Health Radio. This is Heart Health Radio, the Heart Health Radio Network. Um, 1966 movie, Fantastic Voyage. Right, and then they had a similar one. Uh, what was that called? With Dennis Quaid. If, if I get sick, I want them to shrink down Raquel Welch yeah. and send her up into my bloodstream. Yeah, yeah. Remember, there was another movie like that, Dennis Quaid. Yeah. It was called Inner Space. Okay. Yeah, and that's where he met Meg Ryan <laughs> and they got married. But anyway, so, you know, they do have something, though, like that. It's nanotechnology. Yeah. So these are microscopic particles made out of carbon right and they're actually using them so they trap chemotherapy yeah in a nanoparticle called a believe it or not a bucky bean okay yes and buckminster fuller created these these geodesic domes but they're teeny weeny particles that could actually trap chemotherapy inside of them yeah and so then you attach it to a monoclonal antibody which is a, a latch-on device and it latches onto the tumor, and then the tumor engulfs the tumor cell, engulfs mm. the buckyball that has ke- chemotherapy in it, and kills it. Now yes. they are attempting to make this work, but it's similar, you right. know, not quite because okay. you don't have Raquel Welch riding it like a cowboy, you know. There is that, yes, yes. All right, so starch in green bananas, according to an article I read, yeah. is g- going to be an anti-cancer. Yeah. 
Uh, I don't okay. think so. No? Okay. Now, how did the, when you read an article like this, most people only read the first three paragraphs. Yeah. But when you look at this, okay, how they did this, they took um, starch powder from a banana and added it to a, a an organism in the Petri dish mm-hmm. and looked at what came out. And there were certain types of chemicals which have been postulated to help prevent cancer. Mm. So you don't get uh, the connection based on what this experiment did. So if you're out there and you like bananas, fine. They're good for you in other ways. But don't think that if you eat a banana, you're not going to get cancer. And that's, you know, what I want to say, this whole concept of, these natural things that will keep you from getting cancer. Mm-hmm. And if you don't eat bananas and you get cancer, it's your fault. It is absolutely false that they've got any evidence for this at all. Right. We at don't all. really know that much. No. In order to predict that. Well, and the other thing is, you know, this concept that what you eat will tell you whether you get cancer or uh-huh. is completely false. I mean, there may be things that we can do to help you know, slow the risk. But if you look at breast cancer, there is clearly a genetic component and there are clearly people who have genetic things who are going to get breast cancer no matter what they do. Right. They can eat all the bananas they want. They can eat all the cherries they want. They can run six miles a day. They can face mask while they're driving in the car. Yes. Okay. Yes. Well, yeah. But they're still going to get cancer. Yeah. And so, you know, fine, eat healthfully which mm-hmm. is what they say. It's mm-hmm. not eat healthy. Healthy means you. Your body's healthy. Healthfully means you are doing the things to make your health more fully, you know, accurate. Anyway. I was told I, I was told fruits and vegetables are actually just a good idea. They are. No matter whether it prevents well, cancer see, or see, not. Fruits and vegetables are good for natural vitamins. Yeah. For fiber. Uh-huh. And probably they contain a lot of organic compounds. That make us healthy. And one of the things is they reduce inflammation. And if you listen to this show, mm-hmm. our bugaboo word, if we, we fall back on it, yes. is inflammation. So if you had a low level of inflammation in your body, much, much less likely to get fatal COVID. If you have a very low level of inflammation in your body, much, much likely to have a heart attack. If you have a low level of inflammation, much less likely to get Alzheimer's. So this whole concept of inflammation is reduced by vegetable products, mm-hmm. okay? And spices, too. I mean, my biggest thing is turmeric. Turmeric. Pronounce it turmeric or turmeric? I have no idea. Potato, potato, tomato, tomato. Yeah, I just... But anyway, it's a wonder spice. And I'm going to say that this is true. It lowers your levels of inflammation. And there are some data that people who eat a lot of turmeric or turmeric have a lower risk of all these things. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, your vegetables. Now, can you eat enough vegetables to get this effect? I can't mm. because I don't have the time. Right. Do you have the time to steam broccoli every day? No. Do you have the time to fry up some green beans? No. No. So what I've done is gone to something, and I'm not being paid to say this. Uh, it's called balance of nature. Mm-hmm. And what is it? It's capsulated and capsulated vegetable right and you take three of the veggies and they have fruit ones too and three of the fruits now how yeah. can you do this 
Because 95% of a vegetable is water. Yeah. You don't look at that. You don't see that when you, you know, you're 75% water. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, I look at you and I don't see water. And coffee. And coffee. I'm just saying. Coffee. So, <laughs> so they can do this. And it's not just balance of nature. There are other uh, encapsulated veggies. Yeah. The reason why I buy this is what I saw on TV. Now, I've been taking this for a month. And is it the psychotherapy, I mean, the psychosomatic thing where I think I'm going to feel better? Yep. Yep. And I feel better. Well, I think that's what? what it is. It doesn't matter. Right? Doesn't matter. Right? Like somebody told me, <laughs> chronic pain is supposedly not helped by chronic opioid use. I could tell you right now that's not true. I have people whose backs are inoperable. And yeah. I've had them on a combination of Advil and ibuprofen and Tylenol, which is acetaminophen, and they get some relief. I have them on turmeric and some other anti-inflammatories. They get some relief. Yes. The only thing that allows them to work every day is an opioid. It's the lowest dose I can give them. Mm-hmm. And then I get these people in pain clinics and you know pain clinic physicians who say that is a psychosomatic. That is you know a placebo effect. And I tell them, so what? Yeah. Right. 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 Because it works. And so you know. Oh, but it's dangerous. Not inappropriate hands. If you look at the number of overdoses and the amount of overdoses, those people who have a, a reason to take an opioid right. and have a legitimate prescription for an opioid and are counseled uh, and are watched carefully, yes. less than 1% of those, less than way less than 1%. Are fatal overdose patients. The overdoses are coming from street drugs, including faked pills. And see, here's the thing that I want you to know, is that the reason why it's such a high level now is because people don't have have access to the um, therapeutic uh, pills. Right, right. And so they're buying them off the street. All right, we're going to talk about antibiotics in babies and a connection to asthma. That's coming up. Also, uh, Rose Hoban of North Carolina Health News on Heart Health Radio. Now back to Heart Health. Have a question for Dr. Weefald? Call 919-860-9783. This is Heart Health Radio and the Heart Health Radio Network. Rose Hoban of North Carolina Health News joins us. Hi, Rose. Hi, Rose. How you doing? Good, thanks. How are you? Good. What's up? I'm sorry, what? Well, never mind. Messaging is a challenge for getting the word out about monkeypox. That's a headline. Uh, and you wrote the article on North Carolina Health News. What's the, what's yes, the issue about messaging? Well, there's a couple things, right? Um, there's, uh, you know, we've got this monkeypox outbreak that's primarily, I mean, Mm-hmm. You know, 99, 98% of the uh, folks who are getting it are men who have sex with other men. Right. Um, we don't say gay men or uh, because some folks don't consider themselves gay, yet they'll have sex with another man. So, yes. Um, so that's why we use that term. And um, so, but of course, this population, they felt like they were ignored by the government back in the 80s, right. and they feel like there's been kind of a slow walk on getting things out on monkeypox, and they're also worried that, well, gee, we're going to be scapegoated. 
So it's really challenging to message to them. Yeah. Um, that being said, the, the head of the WHO, and I can never say his name right, so I won't, um, he suggested to folks that they refrain from having sex for um, some amount of time. But that could be anywhere from four to six weeks um, or even longer because it's not exactly clear how long you can be infectious from this disease. So, so, so you're talking about... Four to six weeks um, with no symptoms, or four to six weeks from now. Four to four to six weeks with saying don't have relations with anyone, don't oh, okay. don't be intimate with anyone, and that can be, you know, you can get this like if you have a lesion on your face, you can get it from just cuddling or um, kissing, right? You don't yeah. have to, frankly, you don't have to have your clothes off, right? Yeah. So that's been. That's been one of the challenges, and so you know it's it's trying to it's trying to get the messaging right um, at, without and and getting the message like good old public health is like you have a, a population that is the most at risk. You do heavy messaging in that population, which actually is being done. Yeah. Um, when I spoke to some people from, uh, I spoke to someone from the gay and lesbian uh, GL, LGBTQ Center of Raleigh. And he was saying that, actually, there's been a lot of chatter within that community um, on chat rooms and uh, even within the dating apps that people use, mm-hmm. that people are talking about it and getting information out and like, hey, here's a place to get your vaccine. Um, that's been another issue, is that the vaccines have been slow to arrive. Right. Um, although this week, I think it was Wednesday, the FDA approved a shipment of 789,000 doses of the Chineos vaccine, which is, um, it was stored, uh, it was made and stored in super deep freeze in Denmark. And so now it can be sent to the U.S. And that vaccine is specific for monkeypox. We also have antivirals. So there's a lot of treatment, but people are feeling like, geez, this is getting here really slowly, right. testing capacity has been slow to ramp up. So that's been also, you know, one of the, the challenges is like telling people, go out, get tested. Oh, hey, don't have sex. <laughs> and here's the vaccine. Um, so let, me, been, let me ask you a question, and I think this is real important, and I'd like your take on it. Because sure. I found that it's only now that public health officials are talking about you know, bisexual and gay men being at high risk. Uh, before, it was everybody at risk. And do you think that we should be careful about, you know, talking about it being majority and gay men because of stigma or because of, you know, the way the world is nowadays? Uh, in my like, opinion, it, go ahead. It's not, I mean, that is it. Like, folks are just afraid of stigma. They're afraid of stigmatized, they're afraid of being scapegoated, so people have been really treading carefully um, around this messaging and around the targeted messaging. Okay, so, but to me, it should be a, a, how do you put this, it should be a directed toward gay and bisexual men in terms of the first people to get the vaccine. Absolutely. And and so, I don't think, I mean, it... If we talk about it, it's, hey, 
it's not that gay men are bad or bisexual men are bad. It's that this happened to get into the community and it's spreading within that community because of the touching and the kissing and things like that. It, and it's mm-hmm. not a bad thing. It's a thing that we have to address. I mean, it would be like, okay, suppose cheerleaders got a particular illness because of the way they're held and stuff like that. Well, then we should focus on cheerleaders getting that right, first right. vaccine. If Norwegian, but that doesn't mean jet cheerleading is a horrible thing. If you know? Norwegian right. Lutheran men yeah. got a specific disease, <laughs> right. I would assume the messaging would be toward Norwegian Lutheran men. Now, you know what's interesting I, in your... But they're not as, they're not as stigmatized, and, and I think those well, in geez. the... Nowadays, the all you... are feeling like they're, they've been sort of targeted, right? I understand, yeah, but, but, I understand. You know, nowadays, I will say this, <clears throat> the LGBTQT plus whatever community is not stigmatized. It's it's thought to be better, not better, but, you know, more it's uh, honored. cool yeah, than honored. being straight. And so... Oh, Definitely more mainstream. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's mainstream. That is a good word. So Mm -hmm. I think that we should, you know, be honest and say this is now in this community primarily 99%. And we need to focus. And and the other thing is, is that we're protecting the community. Mm -hmm. We're we're being proactive and saying, hey, we love you guys. Um, and I guess gals <laughs> get a vaccine, get the vaccine because we want right. to protect you. We care about you. And right. and that's the thing, you know, in your article, which was, I think, fascinating that in Africa, it's not gay men. It's no. people who are hunters and kids who play with wild yep. animals. And so yep. that's the whole point. They're not having sex with these animals. They're having close content. And hunters right, exactly. in this country aren't hunting the type of animals that carry it carry it in Africa. Okay, I've got right. a, I, okay. I've got one then, last thing. I, I just I just need to make the point yeah, that go ahead. Um, at the town hall on Thursday evening, uh, our state health and human services secretary Cody Kinsley he yeah. made this he made these points and he also you know it's it's all this stuff because it's about sex and he was like listen like having sex is normal like I right it's what people do mm-hmm. um so you know like let's not stigmatize that and uh and have have that be stigmatized in the messaging you know so it's it's just it's it's not as straightforward as like norwegian right but they should not have called it monkeypox okay well, they should have given it another okay. name because i think right? that's stigmatizing in and of itself okay here's the thing yeah i think it was the who has asked to come up with a different name yeah for monkeypox because yeah. of that stigmatism. Right. And we don't want to offend monkeys. Well, it came out, <laughs> was it laboratory monkeys? That's, they were, they it had was a, lab monkeys. Yeah. Denmark, so they called it monkeypox. In, yeah, in like yeah. the 58. In like yeah. 58. Because here's the interesting thing like <laughs> that's so fascinating is that um, this, this Anne Rimowin, who I spoke to a decade ago mm-hmm. uh, about monkeypox, she was telling me that like it probably was circulating and it was probably being identified as like, oh, this is a mild, quote unquote, mild case of smallpox. And then only after we eradicated smallpox and this thing still was circulating, it was like, oh, hey, look, this is a different disease. Whoa, yeah. what, what about that? So yeah. that's also kind of fascinating. Yeah. All right. All right well, I'll tell you what, I want you to think, yes. Dave's going to think, and I'm going to think, and next week... 
we're going to have our candidate names to replace <laughs> monkeypox as a name. Okay. Thank you, Rose. Take care. Great Thank article. You, Everybody get Thank on North much. Carolina Healthnews.org and read her article. I think it's the the best uh, <laughs> article on monkeypox. I'm not kidding you the, on, that good. I've read. It's really very excellent. Rose, Rose wrote it, and that's North Carolina Healthnews.org. Okay. They've also, because of a stigma. Yeah. A fear of stigma. They've renamed the Asian murder hornet. Come on. Did you know this? Why would they rename that? Well, they dropped the word Asian because, you know, you think maybe that Asian people would be offended. How about the Norwegian Anglo-Saxon Protestant (laughs) murder hornet? That's what it is. Yeah. All right. Let's see if Tanya and Clayton is still hanging on. Hi, Tanya. How are you doing? I'm fine. You are are so patient. Thank you. Well, this is one of my favorite programs. So Thank, Thank you. you. Hanging on. Make and sure you I, tell Curtis Media Group that. <laughs> oh, I will. I will. Absolutely. So what's going well, well on? Done. Very informative. Um, I actually, I hope you don't mind, but um, I, I'm kind of backtracking with my question. Yeah, that's here fine. To an earlier part of your show, um, we were talking about um, nutrients that are cancer preventative or DMV, yeah. that kind uh-huh. of thing. Right. I... I saw something on the news, and then I looked it up online, um, something about research that had been done on broccoli, that broccoli had a component in it that uh, targeted cancer cells and destroyed them while leaving healthy cells untouched. Have you heard this? Have you read it anywhere in the literature? um, Broccoli. if, If it's true... Um, should we really be loading up on more broccoli yeah. as a preventative? Yeah, there is the chemical you're talking about is called sulforaphane, sulforaphane, okay? And it's called a phytochemical. And mm-hmm. what they have found is that um, people who have um, high levels of this have a reduced risk of prostate, breast cancer, colon cancer, and oral cancers. Now, this is what we call an association. Um, it's the people who have these levels apparently have lower risks of these um, type of cancers. Mm-hmm. Now, the warning is that it could be that if you um, have prostate cancer, for example, your body somehow depletes its uh, level of sulforaphane. Okay, that's the correct pronunciation. Okay. So what they would have to do to prove that the sulforaphane in broccoli is anti-cancer preventive, and it would be very hard because these cancers develop over years and years and years. They would have to give half the people in the study broccoli and half the people no broccoli and make sure that they're not eating something else that contains sulforaphane. I would I would volunteer to be in the control group. Yeah, but I love broccoli. How, do you like broccoli? Tanya, do you like broccoli? Oh, yes, I love it. I love it. We'll talk about how I like to cook broccoli in just a second. Yeah. But okay. the answer is, unless you're on warfarin, which is the um, mm-hmm. the blood thinner, eat all the broccoli you want. Mm. And, and that's a good thing. And so what you would say is, I'm eating broccoli, I'm going to have more of this sulforaphane in my system, and it might help me. It can't hurt me, and so it might help me. And that's the theme 
of what I talk about with natural medicines and natural compounds. They might help, but they are not proven. So, for example, I talk about turmeric or turmeric. I eat a ton of it, and it's not proven to prevent heart attacks. It's not proven uh, to prevent arthritic uh, complications in your bones, but it doesn't hurt me. Mm-hmm. And it's helped relieve my pain. Now, whether that's psycho, uh, psychological, I don't care because mm-hmm. it did it. And, you know, it may help and it can't hurt. And that's what, you know, I think. So as far as broccoli is concerned, hey, have at it. Now, I get my broccoli daily through this pill that I take called Balance of Nature. And again, I'm not being paid by Balance of Nature to say this. Um, but, you know, can't hurt. And vegetables are good. Absolutely. And broccoli. Now, how do I cook my broccoli? Yeah. I steam it. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And you lose some nutrients by steaming it. Okay. Um, because it, it, it takes the water out, but it makes it really soft. Yeah. Okay. And then I like the, the tops. I don't really like the stems. So I cut right. them pretty close to the top. Yeah. And then I smother it in butter. Oh, yes. Uh, how do you cook your broccoli? I steam it and yeah. I um, will... will Put little pats of butter over uh-huh. it so yeah. it melts. the same. Keep the butter to a minimum, but it really yeah. enhances the flavor. Now let me let me tell you something else that I do. It's Chinese because I'm half Chinese. I mm-hmm. can tell you that mm-hmm. is beef and broccoli. Okay. Oh yes. So you yes. you you get two separate woks. Okay. And you take your broccoli and you use peanut oil because that people that's the secret to good Chinese food. Okay. It's not MSG. Don't no. put MSG in it. No, no. It's peanut oil. And then you fry up the broccoli separately from the beef, and then you add them together. Yes. And then you create your sauce, which I use beef stock, and then I use soy sauce, and I, you know, you put cornstarch in there to thicken it up, and I do put a little sugar in. Okay. Mm-hmm. I just like it a little sweeter. Yeah. But that's also very good because frying actually is better than steaming to keep the nutrients in. You didn't know as a cook, did you? I didn't know this. Yeah. You know, all these shows now have a cooking segment? Yes. We do, too. So does Heart Health Radio. Yeah. Tanya, thank you. Great question. Well, thank you. Appreciate right. your time. Bye-bye. Keep keep listening. Tell your neighbors about us. Uh, the radio show is called Heart Health Radio. Antibiotics and babies and asthma and coffee. Guess what? Coffee's now good for yeah, you. Yeah, we know another article that's bad. <laughs> All right, we're gonna we're gonna tell oh that's right. The coffee is now bad for you. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, I, this is a coffee bad for I said for it you the wrong way. We haven't had one of these in a long time. Not not for a while. That's coming up on Heart Health Radio and your phone calls, 919-860-9783 on Heart Health Radio on the Heart Health Radio Network. Well, You know you make me wanna shout, kick my heels up and shout, throw my hands up and shout, throw my head back and shout, come on now. Heart Health Radio and the Heart Health Radio Network. If you'd like to be our shout out for today, call us up at 919-860-9783, Dr. Weefald. Antibiotics in babies. Now, yeah. this is controversial because yeah. apparently the more you give to them, the, the higher m- the risk of asthma. Really? Yeah, and that makes sense um, because the more you're exposed to germs when you're a kid, and by germs I mean viruses and bacteria, the stronger your immune system becomes. Yes. Now, there is a theory that asthma 
is as an allergic reaction develops because your body doesn't recognize things as Mm -hmm. a natural thing. So you have these things called IgE. Now, most of the infection-fighting antibodies are IgG and IgM. IgM is the first one that's called out, and Mm -hmm. IgG is the second one. Well, IgE creates allergic things, and in the lungs, it'll cause your lungs to spasm, which is asthma. So suppose you get a lot of antibiotics as a kid. What does it do? It changes your gut bacteria because it kills off a lot, of, not just the strep throat. It right. doesn't just kill off the the streptococcus in your ear or the streptococcus in your throat with strep throat. Right. It creates um, a situation where you kill a lot of your own bacteria that are essential in your gut. and. You know, this is why they think vaginal birth is better than uh, a C-section for health. Hmm. Now, it's not been proven, but as your face goes through the vagina, you pick up all sorts of bacteria, and they think that it's, you know, evolutionarily developed to Mm -hmm. improve your health. Hmm. And so what some doctors are doing now when they have a C-section is getting some, you know, vaginal uh, excretions and rubbing it over the face of the baby. Now, whether that's going to be a good thing or not, I don't know. Yeah. But don't hesitate to give your baby uh, antibiotics. Right. If they need it, you're not going to necessarily develop asthma. Uh, I think it just puts you at a slightly higher risk now, of, of developing if you have antibiotics again and again and again. Yeah. This is why I'm in favor of tonsillectomies. Because, you know, you see these kids and they have chronic tonsillitis and they're getting antibiotic after antibiotic after antibiotic. Just take out the source. Right. Now, there are some people say that the tonsils are good for developing an immune system, I guess. But I would think, and and don't don't take what I'm saying now as, as the gospel truth because it's not been studied. Right. But I would rather get my tonsils out. Now, they wouldn't take mine out. I mean, I had chronic tonsillar infection. Really? Finally, age 35. I mean, I just, you know, I had these things called tonsil stones. Have you heard of those? No. They're little tiny pockets of infection that turn into these really hard, uh, nasty-looking things. And every yuck. now and then I'd cough one up and it would fly out of my mouth. Yeah. Anyway, I got my buddy, who was an ENT, to take my tonsils out. Yeah. guess what? What? No more asthma. Right. No more sinus infections. And I had a lot more energy. And the other thing is I had sleep apnea and I didn't know it. Sleep apnea was caused by the fact my tonsils were so large that they were obstructing the the sleep at night. So, again, I'm not saying this. If you are listening, um, don't go to your ENT with your child or yourself and say, Dr. Weefold said I should have my tonsils out. Right. Discuss it with the ENT and say, hey, I'm taking antibiotics all the time. Is this really a good thing? Right. Or should I have my tonsils out? Now, at age 35, it's a risk. It's much easier when you're a kid because at age 35, there's a high risk. Well, what's high of, of, you know, there's so much scar tissue, you can get into the carotid artery. Oh. And that's a bad thing because you'll bleed to death. So I'm not trying to scare you away from getting a tonsillectomy at age 35, but I'm saying talk to your ENT, talk to your primary care. If you've been getting antibiotic after antibiotic because of, um, strep throat yes. or something, uh, talk to them about whether a tonsillectomy is better for you. There is a story that now coffee is bad for you. Oh, kills me. Last I heard, coffee was good for me. Well, this is the thing. 
you know, uh, talking about this situation is that um, it it's crazy. Don't listen to these things. Okay, right. here's the Daily Mirror, and that's a big British, right? You know, um, page six girls. You know what they are? I have no idea. Yeah, so the British no newspaper. earthly idea what they a page have these six things girl. called page six girls, which would be R rated in the United States, and. Yeah. Uh, now the Daily Mirror is saying that if you drink a lot of coffee, you'll go blind. Okay, and the reason—what's <laughs> uh, the reason—is that they found no. in some crazy study that it produces a chemical that increases your eye pressures, <laughs> uh, and then will make you go blind. Okay, now there are all sorts of activities that right. Dave and I were told not I to would, do. Don't do it. Yeah, because we would get hair in certain places you don't want and we would go blind. But but, you know? but so did. what Dave did was he just continued until he needed glasses. <laughs> okay. <laughs> get back to the story. Anyway. Glaucoma. So, They'd say glaucoma. Well, yeah, but see, not only everybody with glaucoma goes blind too. No, not even no. So the whole point I'm trying to make is that, you know, <laughs> Coffee is good for you. Coffee is bad for you. We have only had in the last year, coffee is good for you stories. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, good for your heart. Good for your, you know, prevent Alzheimer's. Coffee is not, repeat, not going to make you blind. And I don't need a double blind study <laughs> to find out well, that, that coffee's not going to make you blind. It that just would isn't. be ironic, wouldn't yeah, it? A double blind coffee study. On whether you're going to go blind. Right. But, but, but in order to run that study, you would have to feed some people a lot of coffee and some people no coffee at all. Right. And follow them for a long time. And you couldn't do it in blind people. Okay. So that would be right. discriminatory. Right. You couldn't. Right. I mean, you all know, right. you're not letting blind people into your blind study. I understand. Yeah. I understand. Anyway. All right. Well. Enough of that. The, um, the other story that I do want to talk about is that Wuhan is in lockdown Again. again. Crazy. Wuhan, hey, Wuhan, China. That sounds familiar. Where do, where do I know of that place? How do um, I know Wuhan, China? What, what is because that it's from? where it all started. Oh, okay. Yeah, I thought it's where it all started. But you know, it, the are the Chinese doing a great thing by shutting down their their cities? No, like this. They want zero COVID, and you know, w- with what we have now and what we know now mm-hmm. is that China's economy is not doing very well. Yeah. And why is that important for us? Mm-hmm. Because when they don't do well, they don't produce all the things that we decided to let China do yeah. for us. Yeah. One of them are antibiotics. Yeah. And you know what happened to my patients? Mm. They couldn't get the study they needed. And what study is that? The CT scan with contrast. Contrast is what you know shows up on the x-ray because right. it's all made in China. I couldn't do a CT with contrast for two months. Because it's all made in China. Our supply chain is going to be messed up well, still. For medical things, right. antibiotics, what are we, and chips. All these cars are sitting in parking lots because no chips. More on Heart Health Radio coming up. Welcome to Heart Health Radio with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefall. Heart Health Radio, Heart Health Radio, oh, 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 HeartHealthRadio.com, Heart Health Radio. 
Heart Health Radio is meant for information purposes only. Before taking any action, talk to your doctor. Heart Health Radio is on Amazon Podcasts, Spotify, and at hearthealthradio.com. Our number is 919-860-9783. 919-860-9783. Dr. Franklin Weefald here. How you doing, sir? I'm doing very, very well. We had a really nice first hour. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the giant murder, the Asian murder hornets have been renamed Northern Giant Hornets to eliminate <laughs> offense. Did you feel offended? Uh, yeah, because um, I'm uh, an Asian or yeah, half Asian. Yeah, yeah. And I thought they should name it the Norwegian Murder <laughs> Hornet because I'm half Norwegian. I, and when yeah. you think about it, what are Norwegians famous for? I don't know. The Vikings. Yeah, yeah. And, okay. You know, there's all this stuff now about praising the Viking. You know, they were murderous savages. Were they? Oh my God! If yes. you weren't a, even if you were a Viking, yeah, they would go into your town in England, and you know, they were worse than the Mongols. Well, you can't get worse than the Mongols. They killed millions, but they would go into a town and start hacking people to death. And I'm going to tell you right now, I don't care what you think of the individual Viking and their culture within their, you know, um, uh, yeah. tribes. Yeah. They were murderous, horrible people. Like, for example, um, Iceland. Yeah. Okay. You know why all those women are beautiful in Iceland? And I'm serious. I'm not being ridiculous. I, I do know, but they I are want to called, hear you They say. are called the most beautiful women in the world. And, they're, and, you know, and they are. Well, uh, on the way to Iceland. Okay, yeah. they stopped in Ireland. Okay? Yeah, yeah, and they kidnapped all the most beautiful women. They just went into a town. Yeah, and these men said, "I need a wife," which is wife. Yeah, W's are pronounced <laughs> these. I need wife, and they went and just went into the homes and just stole all these women. Yeah. Now the point I'm trying to make is that we got to get away from this craziness of saying that if you call an Asian murder hornet, you're being against Asian. Um, you're not. It came from Asia, okay? Right. And the Spanish flu. I'm not saying that Spain is a bad place. No, no, no. And, you know, it really didn't come from the Spanish flu. You know how, what was called Spanish flu? Because they were the only ones during World War One who were not afraid to admit about this influenza. They had kept it yeah. um, quiet. And so there was a newspaper in Spain and told about it, and they called it Spanish flu. Yeah. And, you know, come on. Stop being so sensitive. Stop being so woke. You know, right. it came from Asia and it's a murder hornet. We are, in fact, going to get emails from Norwegian Lutherans and Asians. Well, okay, my dad yeah. was proud to be a Viking descendant. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, because of the, you know, Thor, okay? Thor was the god of thunder yes. in Norwegian uh, folklore. And, you know, they were murderous, horrible people. <laughs> I'm sorry. They were. Originally, and they're really good now. Oh, the Norwegians are. I'm not talking about Norwegians. No, no. Okay, no. I'm talking about Vikings. And, <laughs> we're gonna, you know, we're gonna hear from the Vikings. No, if you're Norwegian, I love you. I'm half Norwegian. If you're Swedish, whatever. But the Vikings were horrible yeah, people. We're you, talking about a thousand years ago, people. Okay. You, you asked me what they're famous for, and my first thought was being from a part of the world. I don't know how to refer to it. Because there's Sweden, there's Norway, there's Denmark, and... There's Scandinavia, and, and Finland, that's part of Finland. Scandi- 
I, I told somebody Scandinavian. They told me no, it was a wrong term. Uh, well, it's I'm Nordic. Scandinavian, and it's okay. Okay. All right. Napping leads to dementia, according to an article yeah. we read this week. All right. Now, here's the thing. If you want to take a nap, yeah. you know, yeah. you're kind of tired, do it. You're not going to become demented. This is another backwards uh, logical, you know, backwards logic thinking. Yeah. And so what they did was they looked at demented people and non-demented. Now, what is dementia? That You know, mm-hmm. that's got a negative connotation. Sure. You know? Remember Dr. Demento? He was I a radio. You yes. should know this. Yes. Dr. Demento. Played lots of dementia great music. Dementia or dementia yeah. is a medical term for people who develop cognitive dysfunction. And what does that mean? It means they, they lose their short-term memory. Uh, they forget things very yeah. quickly, et cetera. And it could be my mother died of Alzheimer's. Well, mm-hmm. probably multi-infarct dementia. We'll talk about that later. But anyway, it's not pejorative to say someone's demented. So you had a demented group and a non-demented uh, group. Mm-hmm. And um, they said, who naps the most? And the demented people napped the most and so they said oh if you nap you're gonna get dementia and it's just backwards the people who have to nap all the time yeah they're mostly people who have a sleep disturbance and what does that mean it means they either have sleep apnea and they can't get air into their lungs Mm -hmm. while they're dead asleep and dead asleep means that deep deep sleep where you're paralyzed Mm mm-hmm and it's like you look at somebody like that and they're not moving. They look like they're dead. That's what the term dead asleep came from. Right. And so if you have that, you have lower oxygen levels in your brain. That develops inflammation and you get dementia or you're at higher risk for dementia. And so it's the people who nap are the ones who are going to get dementia. That makes them want to nap. Okay. If you are <laughs> up all night because yeah. you have a baby. Mm. that was crying. Right. And you say, oh, I can't take a nap. That means I'm going to get dementia. It's exactly the opposite for you. Okay. Get some extra sleep. Right. That'll help prevent dementia. And, you know, wait till your baby's born. I mean, not born. Uh, grows up a little bit. Yeah, and doesn't little... get you up all night. Right. You know. But this is this is the old argument between correlation and causation. Or post hoc, propter hoc, if you want to say so. Okay. Yeah. And post hoc means it, it happens after. Right. Therefore, it was caused by. Yeah, which and, is not true. And it's not the case. Okay. So nap if you need it. But if you're falling asleep during the day every day and you snore. Yes. And the other big uh, hint is that you wake up and the covers are all over the place. Really? Yes, that's called periodic limb movement disorder. Mm-hmm. Remember, I said you had to be paralyzed yeah. in order to um, uh, get that deep, deep sleep. Well, there are people who can't stop moving, and so if your bed covers are all over the place, mm-hmm. you could have periodic limb movement disorder. Another reason to get a sleep study because yes. it's not just sleep apnea. And then if you say I don't want the sleep study because I don't want to, I had a lady who didn't want a mask. And she said, I know I have sleep apnea. I right. know it. Right. But I'm not wearing a mask. How am I going to get a man if I'm wearing a mask at night while we're sleeping? Okay. Well. All right. That's what she thought. And I don't blame her. Don't go out know. to the clubs wearing the mask. Yeah. But there's something new called Inspire. And it's yeah. not that new. Right. Um, and I've had, I don't put them in, but I've had excellent success with it. Right. 
Now, if you're listening and you have sleep apnea and you've switched from CPAP, which is the mask, mm-hmm. to Inspire, yeah. I want you to call us and give us your impression and how much better you're doing. We've had a frequent caller, yeah. Donna Countryman, yeah. who switched from CPAP to Inspire. Right. And when I saw her for the first time, it was like a different woman. Really? Yeah. She yeah. was, you know, more alert, more awake. Now, she's a great lady, and she was a great lady before Inspire. Right, right, right. But I think it, it makes a difference in people's lives when their sleep apnea is being appropriately addressed. Right. Now, you have to go back and get it adjusted. Right. You know, it's like any device. Um, but I highly recommend you look into this. Ask your family doctor or your primary or your general practitioner. I love that term. Yes. Your GP. Your GP. If it's right for you, or if you need a consult with an implantable, implant, implanting physician, yeah. who are ear, nose, and throat doctors. Yeah. Otorhinolaryngologists. Is it? Did you know that? I did not know that. Otto, Otto. which is the ear, rhino, rhino, which is the mouth, otorhinopharyngologist. Otorhino, yeah, I, now yeah, I can't good remember Good luck what on saying. that. But anyway, that's the doctor, ENT. Right. The, um, the, the people who don't want to wear the mask i just want to spend 10 seconds saying it's worth it yeah because i was so much more tired before i got my cpap and the cpap you know blows air into you and you you don't snore and you don't do the thing in the middle of the night which is a terrible thing i did that in the middle of the day the other day sitting in a classroom but you know what I, I recommend <laughs> I uh, for men who are afraid of the mask because they won't get a woman? I would like to see a Darth Vader attachment to the CPAP. Yeah. yeah, And yeah, yeah. then you could tell your partner, you know, that, hey, I'm Darth Vader. And they might think that's kinky, you know? Who knows? I know. Uh, the one thing I will t- say is that I have scared a granddaughter with the mask. <laughs> she came in. She came in and they're, why is Pop, why is Pop looking like that? I said, well, that's. And, and you said to her, I am your grandfather. I, I said, honey, it's, it's me under here. It's no big yeah. deal. All right. Our telephone number is 919-860-9783. 919-860-9783. Let's talk about sleep disorders. Well, I've got something interesting. What? We have time. Yeah. Remember no pain, no gain? Yes, I heard that. Yeah. They have a a new study out about PAD, which is what people say, peripheral arterial disease. Yeah. That's when you got blockages in your legs. Yes. And we used to think that as soon as you start getting pain, which is the discomfort in your calves. Sure. Because when you walk, there's not enough blood flow that you should get a stent. Well, now they know you can actually grow new arteries. And I've seen this. They're called collaterals. And you can see it in the heart where you have a blocked artery. And then another artery grows over to help it. Yeah. And apparently they did this study where they had people with early claudication. And that's the term. They have discomfort in their calves and thighs when they walk because of arterial blockages. Yeah. They put them on an exercise program. And they say, if you have the pain, you're going to get the gain. Yeah. And so they walked him through the discomfort and kept him walking. Yes. And eventually, the discomfort went away right. without surgery. Right. Now, these people were on cholesterol medications. They were on blood pressure control medication, diabetes control. Right. And they grew 
new arteries to help the blocked ones down below. Right. And so if you have claudication, just like I'm saying now, and if you have angina or angina, yeah. you don't need necessarily need a stent. That medications and exercise can help reverse the cholesterol buildup. Right. And with this exercise pain gain, they're not only doing that, but the greater the flow through a partial blockage, yes. the more it regresses and goes away. So okay. pain is yeah. gain in yeah. pad. Okay. Peripheral arterial disease. I'll try to remember that. Yeah. This is Heart Health Radio on the Heart Health Radio Network. This is Heart Health Radio. We're going to talk fake news in just a little bit, including somebody saying that napping regularly again a well, napping regularly we, we were no, we were we were early you think we talked about that yeah. this one says high blood pressure and stroke napping well, yeah. regularly but could, see the whole point is if you're napping regularly you have a sleep disturbance no. and you're going to have high blood pressure and okay. a risk for stroke also so. let your kids play in the dirt on this show yeah this is important this is an important article diana in raleigh welcome to the radio program you're on heart health radio Thank you. Hey there. Um, can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. Um, I just wanted to address the broccoli discussion. Yes, um, speak right up. A lot of us, a lot of us in the United States have Hashimoto's and broccoli and other cruciferous vegetables are Ooh. not good. <laughs> she I has. What? All right, Diane. Out rush out. Eat a lot of broccoli. I know you can't address everything. Diane, why can't why can't you eat broccoli again? Hashimoto's thyroid disease. Thyroid disease. Huh. Yeah. You're saying another word in front of thyroid disease that I personally don't know. What is it? Hashimoto's. Oh, Hashimoto's. Hashimoto's. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um yeah. when did you have Hashimoto's? I have it. She oh, has you have it, it now. now. Okay, is that a- usually usually it goes away. Oh, really? Yeah, Hashimoto's is. It doesn't. Yeah, it is, doesn't go away. It's an autoimmune disease. Yeah, and uh, well, what happens a lot of times with Hashimoto's is it it quote unquote burns out your thyroid. In other words, it's so. I mean, I don't I don't mean that you don't have the autoimmune disease still, but it is so ravaging that your thyroid eventually burns out. And it's the classic the med- where the medicine that you take can help to prevent that. Uh huh. Right. Yeah, I take the natural. And you can't can't eat broccoli. No, I Are there... tried adding back some cruciferous vegetables. Right. I know they're so great for you, and it really does affect it. What are the other things that you're supposed to stay away from with this uh, Hashimoto's disease? Soy, soy right. is a big one. Right. Um, but mainly the cruciferous, like broccoli, cauliflower, um, all the vegetables I don't like anyway. <laughs> well, there you go. So, what what is your typical <laughs> evening meal? Um, I don't really have a typical. Um, but I eat, I do eat brown rice a lot. Um, Good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Good um, stuff. 
I, I eat yogurt that doesn't have the non-dairy yogurt mm-hmm. right. with coconut milk. I use a lot of coconut oil products. Mm-hmm. How about meat? Um, Do you eat meat? Very good. Very good for your thyroid. Um, yeah, I do. I will eat meat, but I try to get the grass-fed. Are you right. on any thyroid medication now? Yes, I'm on um, NT thyroid. Um, it's along the lines of nature thyroid. Yeah. Um, the only problem with it, certain brands of it can be hard to get at times. Yeah. They had a shortage. I used to be on Armor Thyroid, yeah. and we had the big storage problem with that. Um, if you're going to get a I natural think, thyroid, Armor Thyroid is actually pretty good. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, But it's more expensive, so <laughs> that's what I've got for right now. If you, knew, I, if you knew how they made Armor Thyroid, uh, you might not want it, but it's great her. stuff. Yeah, it's from the slaughterhouse. Oh, I know it's from pig. Yeah, it's from the slaughterhouse. Yeah. And the nice thing about what Armour, you know, they're the ham people. Yeah. 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 So they take the thyroid from the slaughterhouse and they they do it very well. They yeah, sure. desiccate it and they form it into pills, but they're very, very careful about having an appropriate dose. So 60 right. milligrams of Armour thyroid can be relied upon to have the right amount of thyroid. And the reason why people well, like it, I'm sorry. Yeah, it, it's very difficult to regulate thyroid dosage. Yeah. It can take a year. Um, and I can tell instantly almost when my dosage is off. Right. It's not like you stay on the same dose forever. Mm. It's a constant battle back and forth. Yeah. You know, you just have to pay attention to your body cues uh-huh. and, and go get tested regularly. Yeah. But you have to get the T3 testing because the normal test that most doctors do, doctors do, like your TSH can be totally normal, but you're not normal. Right. Mm-hmm. And that that's a very important point about yeah. somebody who has had Hashimoto's mm-hmm. or does have it, is that you need to do other testing to see what right. the thyroid is. Um you ever take Cytomel? Did they ever put you on that? Or Levothyroxine? Um, I started out on Levothyroxine, uh-huh. but my body does not convert the T4 to right. T3, so it didn't work for me. That's what I was talking about, because Cytomel is T3. So you have T4 and the Levothyroxine, and some people need to take Cytomel. Or they go to a quote unquote natural like Armour Thyroid, which has both T4 and T3 in mm-hmm. it. And they're. Uh, yeah. I, I think I did try it actually long time ago. Yeah. I prefer the natural. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. Don't don't get me wrong. Even though I'm a I'm a chemical medic medicine doctor, I believe in chemicals. I think that people have a choice, and your choice was to do it this way, and it sounds like you're doing great. Yeah. Yeah. But it is, I mean, it's a very tough disease. It affects everything in your body. Oh, yeah. The master gland, as it's called. It's so important to have a good doctor who will do the right testing and listen to you about the symptoms. Yeah. That's Mm -hmm. the most important thing. Yeah. Uh-huh. I won't take any more of your time. I just want oh, no, to take all the time you want. Listen, this is the best part of our show mm-hmm. is when people call in 
and have concerns or, you know what, people, my, the, my listeners teach me stuff every day, mm-hmm. you know. So call in, take all the, do you have any other things you want to talk about? No, I just wanted to caution on the broccoli. <laughs> I love it. Call frequently. We love it. We Thank love you, Diane. All right. Thank all right. you. Bye-bye. Take care. Today's broccoli Bye-bye. day. Had broccoli. So um, here's the thing. Yeah. I have a, a disc hanging off my arm that constantly yeah. checks my sugar. Uh-huh. What is it right How, now? You know something? I, I forgot the, uh, oh, the, the reader. But here's the thing. How soon do you think it'll be that one day we have a reader which replaces these blood tests? Poor Diane's got to check, you know, going to the doctor and get her blood tested all the time. Yeah. I don't there, know. There might you be a You mean like a, a thyroid reader? Right, a thyroid yeah, reader. but see, the problem, okay, here, here's one of the problems with that, is that, uh, for example, let's talk about uh, a continuous reader for uh, warfarin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I want that. So, what would happen? I don't know. You have a natural variability in the level. Yeah. It's just going to be variable. Uh-huh. So, what is going to happen? I see this all the time. People come in, and they go to their um, doctor, and their level is a little high. Right. So they try to adjust it right away. Mm-hmm. And they drop a few milligrams from their regimen. Yeah. And come back in 10 days, and what is it? It's all messed up. It's too low. Oh, yeah. So what I do, if somebody's been doing pretty well, and they have one high reading, right? I don't touch it. Right, right, right. I bring right. them back in a week. And it's back to normal. So that's one of the problems. I think, however, sugar, um, blood glucose is a different issue Mm -hmm. because it's variable. And when it is variable, it can make you really sick, especially too low. And, you know, I go against uh, what a lot of diabetologists say. And this is this thing called tight control. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a mistake if you have heart disease. And yeah. we'll talk about why. Okay. After the yeah, we're, break. Yeah. Also, we're because I want to talk about, about why tight control in my mind is not a good idea. Okay. Let your kids play in dirt. We'll talk about that. Also, your phone calls. This telephone number is nine one nine eight six zero nine seven eight three. Always call between noon and two on a Saturday, no matter when your radio station airs this show. Heart Health Radio and the Heart Health Radio Network. Dr. Weefald will be right back. Welcome to Heart Health Radio with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefald. Where the telephone number is 919-860-9783. 919-860-9783. Why should I let my kids play in the dirt? Well, we've talked about this before, and yes. I really want to emphasize um, your immune system is everything in yeah. terms of your um, health. Because if you look at, for example, HIV disease, mm-hmm. what happens? Your immune system goes bad. Right. Um, and all sorts of these really nasty infections take over. Right. And now, thank God, they've developed a uh, series of medicines. There's a bunch of them that when used in co- in combination, control it. So HIV now is like a chronic illness, and if you control it, your immune system stays intact, 
and you do much, much better. Right. Well, now what we've learned is that challenging that immune system from the moment of birth, okay, mm-hmm. and that's traveling down the birth canal, um, the exposure to bacteria and viruses, uh, an immediate um, stage in your life, and then the colostrum too, because that is does contain uh, antibodies, but it also helps to stimulate antibodies. Okay. And when you play in the dirt, what happens? You get exposed to billions of bacteria and viruses in one little scoop of dirt. Mm-hmm. And what that does is to make your immune system start fighting it early. So the classic example is polio, which we've had a case of polio now in New York. Did you hear about that? I didn't. Very strange. Because uh, I want to find out if that child was vaccinated against polio. Okay. Because I don't know. Yeah. But anyway, the kids who got polio came from more sterile environments, uh, upper middle class, cleanliness households. Right. Farmers' kids virtually never got polio. Why? Because in dirt is a uh, virus that's very similar to polio. Yeah. The kids got it early, fought it off, and there was a cross-reactivity to get polio. Well, now there is something called melioidosis, M-E-L-I-O-I-D-O-S-I-S, right. and it's from dirt. And there are two cases in the United States of America, Yes, two, yeah. and they were in the Gulf region, and now there's this big scare uh, on WebMD about getting this deadly disease yes. from dirt. Yes. All right. There are two cases. But what do they say in the very last paragraph? Hmm. Who should avoid it? People with uncontrolled diabetes, cancer, right. yeah. i.e. those who have weakened immune systems. Right. And I would argue that it is so rare that we should not even think about it unless somebody's really sick and septic, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Because you have 330 million people in the United States of America, and two of them, you had very severe risk factors, right. got this bacteria. And I would suspect that if you have a good immune system, the reason why you don't get it is because you've been exposed to it as a young child playing right. in the dirt, and you are immune. Okay. Anyway, play in the dirt. Play in the dirt. Play in the dirt. Well, my grandchildren... Not not at Love Canal, okay? (laughs) Right, right. Don't go to a a chemical dump site. Well, people probably don't know what Love Canal is. It's so long ago. Yeah. Yeah, Love Canal was a canal in New York where they dumped all sorts of toxic chemicals and people were getting cancer right and left. And then they built an elementary school on on top top. of it. Yeah. Smart move, folks. All right. Fred in Willow Springs, you are on Heart Health Radio. Hi, Fred. Hey, how are you? Doing all right. What's going on with you? Well, uh, I had uh, a weird heartbeat. Mm. My cardiologist was going to put me on a uh, pacemaker. Uh oh. Yeah. And my uh, my uh, pulmonologist said, hey, "Hold off. Yes. Let's put you on a CPAP." And see if that helps. That's a great idea. Really? Yeah. One of the ways, yeah, one of the ways that I pick up CPAP, I mean, pick up sleep apnea, is when I have a patient complaining of skipped heartbeats and rapid heartbeats during the day. And then I put a monitor on, and they have AFib, 
you know, irregular heartbeats during the day, a lot of premature contraction. Mm-hmm. But at nighttime, their heart rate's 20, 30, with normal being 60, 70. Yeah. And then you can see it periodically being 20, 30, or what we call complete heart block. And then it goes up a little bit, and then it goes back down to 20, 30. And what does that tell us? There is this thing called hypoxic bradycardia. And so if you have sleep apnea and you're not getting the oxygen in Mm -hmm. periodic times, then Mm -hmm. your heart rate will slow way down. Mm. I had a lady, very heavy, and she had sleep apnea, obviously. And when she was in the hospital, they saw her heart rate go down to 20 and 30 in heart block, and they immediately wanted to put a pacemaker in her. She didn't want the pacemaker. Right. So she came to see me, and I put the monitor on. I said, I know what you have. You have sleep apnea that is not being treated appropriately. Or I'm not saying they did the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. Your CPAP's not working. So this is another example of somebody that we fix the sleep apnea in two ways. First, we put the Inspire device in, and so she got better mm-hmm. in terms of opening up her airway so she could get oxygen in. Secondly, she was 450 pounds. Mm-hmm. Guess what she weighs now? Mm. 210. It's good. Because she got gastric bypass. Oh, yeah. If you put a monitor on her now, there's no AFib and no atrial fibrillation during the day, and there's no bradycardia at night. So, Fred. Fred, are you, uh, what are they going to do? What have you decided, or are you in the process of deciding? Well, I'm, I'm just, I'm hanging in with my uh, CPAP. It's, uh, my heart squeeze went from 25% up to 55%. Great. And, That's good. So, listen, and, and, have they done another mon- series of monitors on your heart to see what the rhythm is doing yeah. now? Yeah. And? And everything sounds real good. They're real pleased. As JJ would say? Dynamite. Fred, are you a, a big fella? Well, I'm uh, 235. Nah, that ain't big. That's not That's not big. So I'm just you saying, can, and I, this is a good a good thing. Yeah. You can have sleep apnea even if you're not heavy. Right? Yeah. 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 It all depends on the muscles and the muscles. I don't know why I, I like to say <laughs> pronounce things funnily. Funnily. <laughs> In a funny manner, he doesn't um, know muscles uh, don't work right in the throat, or yeah. you have, you know, big tonsils or something like that. Congratulations. All right, Thank Fred. You. Good story. Thank you, Fred. But appreciate it. Thanks, guys. All Call right, anytime. You, you know, you, do, you don't automatically have to take the first advice you get. Oh, yeah. And, and, and you know, it's very interesting how the intersection of medical conditions uh, can lead us to do procedures and devices. Right. Um, the, the biggest thing I saw, I had a um, patient who was in the hospital and I got a consult with an electrician um, because their rhythm was irregular. Right. And this guy was in a hurry. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So we asked the nurse, what's the ejection fraction? And she said, 55%. And he thought she was saying 15%, one five instead mm. of five five. I came back the next day and the patient had a defibrillator. And, and all they needed basically was, you know, having their AFib taken care of. Oh, heaven. And so, you know, you got to keep your ears open. Right. And the other thing he didn't do was look at the ultrasound. 
you know, look at it and see that it was 55, which is normal. Right. It's been my experience that if you sit down with a surgeon, you're going to have an operation. Well, if yeah. but it, the it, best surgeons right. that I found, right. that I use, have a high percentage of no, you don't need the surgery. That's uh, good. And so there's a, a, a um, spine doctor that I use. I'm going to give him a shout out, Lars Gardner. Mm-hmm. And he's with uh, he's in Raleigh with a big neurosurgical group. Mm-hmm. And uh, he fixed my ex uh, by just doing a tiny little operation on her uh, disc instead yeah. of doing this massive slice the back open. And what I can guarantee is that you know, I'll send him a patient that I'm not quite sure should have surgery, but want surgery. Right. And and when they come back saying Dr. Gardner did not recommend surgery. Mm-hmm. So for for Lars, not every nail needs a hammer. Yes. Okay. And I think that's a great thing. Right. Uh, sur- the best surgeons know when it's indicated to operate and when it's not. Right. Good. Well, that's very good. Uh, there is this story. I just want to follow up on it. Yeah. It says napping is regularly linked to high blood pressure and stroke. It was on CNN. Are you going to tell me no? No. No. So so even though napping might be in some way linked with high blood pressure it, and stroke. It's a fellow traveler. You okay. know what that means? It, yes. Yeah. It means that if, if you have high blood pressure and if you've had uh, susceptibility or had a stroke, you have physical conditions yes. um, that are associated with being tired all the time right. and needing a nap. It is not the nap that causes these issues. Okay. And CNN, I don't know. I, I don't know what's happening. They're into clickbait now, um, which is scare the bejesus out of you and you'll watch our show. Right. You know? Oh, I totally understand. It's it. terrible. This is the way, unfortunately, politics... And all of media have become that we need to scare a bunch of people well, and, or you know, try to. Right, because they want their political um, agenda. So, for example, let's go back in time, 1965. Mm-hmm. There were scientists say we're all going to die by the year 2000 from starvation because yes. there's not enough food. Right. Well, what did they not take into account? Technological achievements and mm-hmm. tripling the food production. Yes. Uh, then Al Gore in 1991 said that the uh, Arctic will be ice free. Ice free. By the year 2000 due to global warming. And it is not. And the it's amount not. of ice on the Arctic, I'm going to tell you this right now, has yeah. not shrunk. Okay. Uh, there are a lot of pictures that will show um, glaciers you know, that have receded. That's natural. There are a lot of glaciers that have gotten larger. Now mm-hmm. they talk about the Antarctic ice. Yeah. Well, the shelf may be, you know, receding, but the amount of ice in the Antarctic is actually increasing because there's ice in the South Pole near the polar region. Right. <clears throat> now I think it's pretty clear that in the last twenty years the temperature has gone up. But what is the cause? It could be human activity, in which case we need to cut back on, we do, I think we need to cut back on CO2. This is a health issue, by the way. Yeah. Because if the climate changes, people are going to die. Right. So, you know, yes, but what's the what's the answer? Is it is it making us all walk? You know, there are technological innovations. One of them is carbon capture. 
You know what the biggest carbon capture thing is in this country, in the world? Mm. A tree. Oh, okay? yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So plant more trees. I'm all for that. Um, let's use less gas. I'm all for that. Um, but, you know, these environmentalists, they want windmills everywhere, except where they live. So the Kennedys don't oh, want yes. windmills on Nantucket Sound because they don't like the look. But nuclear power, I'm a huge fan of nuclear power because it's totally and completely carbon-free. Right. But we had two accidents now, no, three major accidents okay. with nuclear power plants, but they have new ones. So you talk about health, you know, let's, let's do the right thing. Let's, yes, cut back on CO2 productions, but let's not go back to the horse and buggy. I saw an article where these people were investing a lot of money in a machine that would capture carbon. Yeah, Exxon. Capture carbon and convert it into sugars. Well, here's the thing. They were essentially trying to build a machine which was the same as a tree. Oh, okay. (laughs) Look. It's going to capture carbon from the atmosphere. Yeah, and turn it into wood. And yeah. turn it into something These else. Lignin. Like, yeah. You're, you're, you're yeah, we should. Out of your mind. I think we should plant trees all over the place. All over, uh, Trees I'm, are good. I'm doing my part. Yeah. Uh, how many trees have you planted? Probably planted uh, 40 on my property. That, you, listen, you have totally uh, yes. eliminated yes. your carbon footprint and then some. Well, that's good. Yeah. What kind I'm of not, trees? What kind of trees? Everything. I mean, I've got. I've got Apple tree, a pear, uh, sorry, a cherry. A, you have a partridge in your pear tree. I have a partridge in my pear tree. I have a no, I don't have a pear tree. I have a uh, uh, an apple, and then I've got a bunch of indistinct, you know, like. Uh, How about oak? Have you planted any? Yeah, oaks? I planted two oaks. There's tree, nothing oak like trees. a huge oak tree. Well, I I hope I'll be able to sit. And under I want the you to tie a bunch one. of yellow ribbons so that when I get out of prison, I'm I'm just telling you. <laughs> In order for me to sit in the shade of one of my trees, yeah. I'm going to need to live for a while. Oh, okay. So you I take care of trees. Yeah. You didn't transplant. I, I did. I did All transplant. Right. I got a six foot tree, but you're okay. not going to. No, you can make that grow. You know what? I'm going to tell yes. you that right now. When I had my farm, yeah. uh, we only had it for like 12 years or okay. so. What should I do? Uh, Miracle Grow spikes. Really? Uh, I'm not being paid by Miracle Grow. No, no, no. But you take these things and follow the directions. Yeah. You put a couple close to the tree, mm-hmm. but then you put some far away. Yes. Or not so far away, which encourages the growth of the root structure. Yes. Because that dictates how quickly the tree is going to grow. And then the other thing is, you know, you water your tomato plants, right? Yeah. Water your tree. Water my tree. So get the Miracle Grow spikes. There you go. And water your tree. Nice. And you'll notice that they grow faster. Yes. It'll be 10 feet, 12 feet in just a couple of years. Really? Yes. Okay. I did it. I good have thing. living proof. All right. Very good. If you have any botany questions, go ahead and call 919-860-9783. There's or ask no... the gardener show if I'm ask right. Ask the gardener. Yeah. Ask the gardener. All right. Our telephone number, 919-860-9783. We're shouting out a doctor who's been working on heart disease for a while, now says, I'm going to look at Alzheimer's because I I think I can solve this. That's coming up on Heart Health Radio. This is Heart Health Radio, the Heart Health Radio Network. Who is this doctor? 
I'm going to shout him out. Um, Dean Ornish. Now, Dean, um, Dr. Ornish, I guess, should uh, be very proud of himself Mm -hmm. because he was the first person to show you could reverse heart disease. I'll never forget when I was, um, you know, a kid doctor uh, growing up. I wasn't Doogie Howser. I was 10 years older than him. <laughs> and, you know, we were told once you get heart disease, it's non-reversible. Right. And you're going to have it and stuff like that there. Well, he is a um, a veggie guy. Okay. He's a seaweed eater. Yeah. Anti-meat, yeah. you know, and also anti-processed food, which is what I am. Okay. And he showed uh, in combination with these uh, support groups that he had and meditation. So it was a whole kit and caboodle. And what he did was something scientific. He looked at their arteries with the heart catheterization before they did his program and then after. Well, actually during. And believe it or not, some of these people, their coronary disease went completely away. Completely away. Yeah. Okay. So I can tell you right now, if you are up to it and can do his program, it also involves the social structure and the um, meditation and, you know, the support group along with eating some incredibly tough food okay. to eat. You know, quinona, I don't, I don't know, know if I'd eat that. Quino- quinoa? Is that what it's pronounced? It's an old grain, okay. yes. Yeah. It looks like quinoa. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, I call it quinoa. <laughs> Never mind. I don't know how I said it. And seaweed is a big part of it. I'm sorry I'm not eating seaweed. Yeah. And I'm sorry, I'm going to have my Whopper. Okay, I'm just M. Well, since Dean Ornish showed this, and he should, I think he should get the Nobel Prize. Okay? Okay. I'm serious. Because he is completely opposite from me. Okay, one thing he did that's very bad. Right. Okay, is that the report is that when Steve Jobs got pancreatic cancer, Mm. which was a curable type. Mm-hmm. He had the neuroendocrine, so all he had to do was take the thing out of his pancreas, and he's cured. Mm. Apparently, Dean was his friend and convinced him to try the macrobiotic diet, and of course, we know what happened to, to Steve Jobs. Yeah. Spread to his liver, he had to have a liver transplant, and he died. He would be alive today running Apple wow. if he just listened to his doctors, other doctors, and said, just have this, this surgery, take out part of your pancreas, and you'll be alive. Right. But anyway- he deserves a Nobel Prize for proving you could reverse heart disease. And it, when you say now heart disease, you mean coronary what, blockages? What we ta- oh, it's coronary blockage. They go away. Okay, so on the Dean Ornish diet, but we can do it now with cholesterol medications, okay. diet, exercise, diabetes control. Yeah, I have proven that. Yeah, um, I got my own cholesterol LDL from one seventy eight to eleven. Mm-hmm. And believe me, see what he's not part of my diet. And I'm not going to support groups holding <laughs> hands and singing Kumbaya. No. Okay. Um, I'm taking Rapatha and I'm taking Livolo and I'm taking uh, Vesipa. Yeah. And my coronary calcium score in the left anterior descending coronary artery is uh-huh. a sign of how much cholesterol went from 200 to 10. Yes. Not 210, but to 10. And it works. You can do it with medications and exercise, uh, or you can do the Dean Ornish thing. But the reason why he deserves a Nobel Prize is because he proved it could be reversible by some technique. Right. I am very happy with my cholesterol numbers. Yeah. But let me tell you something. Which which I don't know. They should be 
as low as they can go. <laughs> okay. And you should be on Repatha, in my opinion. But, Do you think so? So what is Dean okay. doing now? He's trying to develop a program yeah. to reverse Alzheimer's disease. And I'm mm. all for this. I'm hoping that he can take a bunch of pre-dementia patients mm-hmm. and show that they don't develop into full-blown dementia. Mm-hmm. Either by doing, maybe it's the Dean Ornish diet here, because one of the things the Dean Ornish diet does is it lowers inflammation. Right. And inflammation is correlated with both coronary artery disease and heart attack and also Alzheimer's disease. So have at it, Dean. Do you remember your white coat ceremony? Yeah. A white coat ceremony is a big deal to a student doctor. Yeah. It's not white coat hypertension. No, because you get. Is this yeah. where you get assigned to your to your uh, uh, you, you're the place where you're going to? Well, it's it's symbolic. Okay, okay. you start being a clinician. Um, Duke is different. They only do one year of basic science. Okay. Um, at Johns Hopkins, we had two years mm-hmm. of basic science, and then we became clinicians. Okay? okay. And we went on the wards, and we learned medicine by seeing patients right and so you'd get this white coat and, yeah big deal i didn't like it because it was it barely covered your belt i like the long coats but you can only get a long coat when you become uh, an attending physician that oh. means you're a big shot okay and you've done your residency etc but i mean we look like ice cream men and women <laughs> you know all right so, so michigan medical school yeah so they had a woman who uh a great physician uh well-respected in her field, um, who was anti-abortion. And so University of Michigan, they had the big thing where the medical students, some of them walked out when she started to talk. Yeah. And I'm looking at the picture of it right now, and it wasn't a majority. I think, let's see, I can see one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 people walk out. Okay. The Michigan medical class is of over 200. Right. So they made a big deal out of it. But let me tell you, I would make a big deal to those people who walked out. And if I were the dean, mm-hmm. I would sit them down and say one of the things about being a physician is that you have to have, um, I wouldn't say an open mind, but you have to treat uh, situations um, where people are going to be um, in, a, mm-hmm. in a normal social situation mm-hmm. abhorrent to you. Mm-hmm. So let me give you an example. Okay, just a, a, a simple example is suppose one of these people who walked out is assigned to take care of a patient who is uh, pro-life, mm-hmm. anti-abortion. Yeah. Are you going to refuse to take care of that patient? Now, I had a patient who, in, early in my career, who was a mass murderer. Mm. Okay? This guy was arrested, and he got the you-know-what beat out of him by the cops because mm-hmm. he had resisted arrest, mm. and I had to help take care of him. And he had murdered a bunch of people. And you know how I took care of him? Well. Like any other patient. Very good. Yeah. You got to come across people who you know you disagree with. Yeah. And then put up with it. Yeah. And put up with it. Well, All it's right. not even just put up with it. You say, this is a human being. I took an oath. Right. I'm going to do everything I can to help that patient. We'll see you next week. This is Heart Health Radio.